Hello, welcome to the Early Value NFL Betting Podcast, and we're on to the player props edition. And I have to bring back my good mate Gopal coming off a 3-0 week last week. So, Gopal, how are we doing? Yeah, doing very well, very well, Ross. Happy uh, happy to be here to share some of my uh, best plays of the week and try to keep our running form um, going, really, before I head off next week to Germany. So, yeah, it should be good to get some plays out there. Definitely, yeah. We had a nice week, five and one. Myself letting the team down for the uh, the full six in those sweet form and not even getting a reception. In some ways, I'm kicking myself because I hate betting quarterbacks that uh, that don't play as much or, or young quarterbacks. So I don't think they tend to throw too much to receiving and running backs. And I, I bought in, it was a low total and it flew over it the week before that. Say if it's, it's one of them, it's, it's done and, and lost. And it's still a cracking week, five and one. And hopefully we can pick it up and, and maybe hit the fix this week. So, uh, yes, off to Germany. So you're off to see Tampa Bay. Yeah, I have to see um, the Bucks and the, the Hawks. Nice. I mean, well, you know, when the matchup came back and they said that's the Germany game, none of us were expecting it to be a competitive game with, you know, the Bucks yeah. and then you've got. The Hawks and, you know, I start the season, people saying the worst roster in the league. And, yeah. you know, they seem to be doing all right. So we're just hoping Brady don't get injured this week and, you know, we get to see him play next week. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a lot more appealing game than maybe what a lot of people would have thought when they bought the tickets. Now you're like, you know what, this is, this is quite a close game and it's going to be, I'm not sure how much I'll be in a rush to be betting the books next week as it stands. Uh, but that's what a lot of the people are here for next week. We're uh, on to this week. So, Gopa, we'll get straight into it. First one of your bets. Okay, yeah. So, the first bet I got actually does involve the Seahawks, and it's Geno Smith. Um, so, I'm taking Geno Smith's longest pass completion to be under 37.5 yards. So, I'll say that again. Longest pass completion under 37.5 Um I really like this play. There's a lot of data behind it. So, for example, 37.5 is a pretty high number. That's the sort of number you expect to see from Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Geno Smith isn't like either of those two. Last seven games, he's gone under it five times. That includes the head-to-head with the Cardinals a few weeks back. He only had a longest pass completion of 22 yards in that game. So it's a high number. He's not really been going over it. He didn't go over it in the last head-to-head. Um, I'm not entirely sure how healthy Lockett and Metcalf are, but that game a few weeks ago, both of them were healthy, and you know they still didn't get anywhere near that uh, 37 yards. Also, the Cardinals, I mean, when I saw this trend, it absolutely amazed me. In eight games this season, seven times, Opposing quarterbacks has failed to throw a 37, sorry, a 38 yard pass against that defense. And what's even more special about, you know, that seven out of eight is some of the names they've played. So they've played Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, who could only hook up, well, the Raiders could only hook up for a 23 yard longest. Matthew Stafford and the Rams, 31 yard longest. Jalen Hurts and those Eagles, 31-yard longest. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he, he could only muster a 35-yard longest. 
And Kirk Cousins, with, you know, Phelan and Jefferson, they held him to 29 yards uh, as a longest uh, pass completion. So not only is the Cardinals' record good, the you know, the quarterbacks they've played are some of the big hitters. And, you know, seven out of eight of them have failed to get over the number. Yeah, some absolute cracking stats there. And what, like you said, when you say about the competition that they are, they, they've played and none of them got near it. Um, when you first think of who he's got with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockyer, two of the bigger name wide receivers in the game, you you automatically would probably lean to his over playing against an Arizona defense that in the middle of the field get torched a fair bit, but it's clearly not torched in big chunks. It's clearly more a gradual, um, a gradual catch that that they're getting and instead of that that sort of number. And as you say, thirty-seven and a half is a fair old bit for a long pass. So. It, it's, it's one of them that I must admit I would never have looked at before you even mentioned that straight, straight in my head I would have thought Arizona being such a soft defence that I would think they're giving up some big plays clearly they're not so I think that's a fantastic spot um, yeah so yeah like I said it, it's numbers based and the numbers just too high here it doesn't mean you know he, you know he might break out the pocket and he might throw a bomb but, I mean, at 38 yards, I, I definitely want to be on the under. Yeah, definitely. And it's weird because you're talking nearly half the field, aren't you? And you, you, variance is always going to play a part into it and you're going to get big plays. But 38, it does seem, when you think of it, 100-yard field, you think, blimey. But it, it, Seattle run the ball a lot as well with Kenneth Walker, uh, one of the best running backs that's, that's around at the minute in the game. So they're going to have plenty of him running the ball on early downs, eating up some of that yardage as well. So it makes it just it just adds to that value of that bet, in my opinion. Uh moving on to myself, first bet that I'm gonna give out is Justin Jefferson over 87 and a half yards. He's gone over it five five out of seven games this season. I mean quite easily as well. 98 last week, 107. 154, 147, that's just the last four games alone. And then week one, he, he had 184. Easily one of the premier board receivers in the game at the minute. And that Washington defence is just, you, you could beat them up all over the field. There, there's not really a place where they're, they're really bad at. They're just bad all over. Um, Cousins loves him. He's, he's going to easily be hitting the 8, 9, 10 targets again uh, close game I expect that they're going to be passing it a fair bit Washington should stay in the game to hopefully make the game more favourable that, that they're not going to blow anyone out etc so high yards is always a slight concern but I think when you get in someone like Jefferson who's like I said played it with his last four games I'm happy to take him at the high line that he is at eight, seven and a half for for this one. And I think it'll be a high-scoring game where we'll, we'll see both players, another player that I'll go on to in a minute, on the other side of the field, will be exactly the same. Grandpa, any thoughts on on that game? Um, yes, yeah, so ironically, one 
my next bet um, involves that game. But yeah, I mean, Jefferson's just a weapon. I think the Washington run defense is a lot better than their pass defense, Definitely. which again will give, you know, force Cousins to throw it a bit more. And Cousins used to play for Washington. So there's no doubt he wants to go out there and, you know, make a statement. Mm-hmm. 100%. Definitely. It's the older revenge game factor. So I uh, I just think it would just be peppered with targets. And I suppose we're, we're going to have a bit of fun with this game because I've got another bet in the game and you've got a bet on the game. So we're going to have three bets in this game. So I'll go to you, Gerbal, for your uh, second selection in this game alone. <coughs> yeah, so um, my next bet, it's a similar one to what we had last week. So if anybody told the Denver Broncos, Jacksonville Jaguars, tackles and assists, you you know, you would have been picking up your money, I think about two or three minutes into the fourth quarter. It was that easy. And it's similar in this game. So the bet is with Bet365 uh, and probably Boyle Sports as well. It's for there to be over 115.5 total tackles and assists in the game. Uh, reason I like this, the Vikings... In their seven games this season, six of them have eclipsed this total with an average of 122 per game. So it's clearing the line by six on average. And with the Washington uh, Commanders, as they're now known, their last seven games, all of them have gone over. So literally seven out of seven. And their average tackles and assists per game is 121.8. So both of the teams are literally, their games are averaging 122 tackles and assists. So we're getting a nice little buffer here. You know, the line, we only need 116 for the over. So, you know, based on the data, it, it just makes too much sense. Yeah, I, and you are. And it's weird, but you think a lot of times that you need a lot of running running um, attempts in these sort of games, tackles that. But I actually like this game, again, as sort of how I've just spoke about. I see it passing, see it being overs, see it being a lot of, if there is a lot of passing and it comes to overs, I think there'll be a lot more tackles because obviously every passing down where it's tackled, uh, I, I just see there being a lot more plays in this game to be a more chance for, the, for that tackles bet to come in than, the, uh, than a lot of running. Um, I think we'll yeah. See. So normally with uh, it, yeah. So normally the tackles and assist number are normally higher based on the, the tempo of the game. Mm-hmm. So we've seen t- Taylor Heineke in the uh, two minute drills, and he's actually pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. another thing is uh, Washington when they're trailing or they're in hurry up mode, they tend to use the running back a lot. So you get yeah. a lot of five yard, six yard, quick dump off, push out of bounds. Clock stops and, you know, that's the tackle there. So the, the game flow, the speed of the game is good. And this is a fairly low number. Um, yeah. Generally, the, the the sort of lines you see per game are around, I'd say anywhere between 120 and 125. Mm. So 115 is pretty low. Yeah. Yeah, it is, definitely. I think there was one a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Jets-Denver was about 112. And I think we, we thought then, um, I know uh, Brad's who's usually on here, that's crowed off tonight. He's doing too much revision, and he uh, he hasn't found the time to join us. So I told him I'd give him a good roasting about it. But he found 112 on that game, and, and that coming easy enough. And and you're right, it is a low total. 
definitely for tackles and assists between between two teams. I I think you're fully right. I uh moving into myself on another bet again in the same game is Curtis Samuel. Now Curtis Samuel's 49 and a half. Last two games with Heineke's hit 50, 53, just about just over the number. But again, the Vikings in that middle of the field, that is their weakness. Now, I couldn't talk anyone off McLaurin because I think both of these two, Samuel and McLaurin, have both set up for really big games. McLaurin's longest. I think, Verpal, I think you may be on it. Uh, you told me about it earlier on in the week. It's yeah. been touted about everywhere. There's a yeah, lot of I'm, people. Yeah, it was 20, I think it was 25.5 when I flagged it up to you a couple of days ago. And again, 25.5 is a high number. That's a Jamar Chase, uh, Tyreek Hill sort of number. But, you know, like I said, he McLaurin himself has gone over six out of eight times on that number. But the Vikings, in the last five matches, they had allowed, per game, at least two receivers mm-hmm. to have a catch of 26 yards or more. And and that's that's some doing. It takes some doing to do that, you know. Definitely. Not only are they allowing, you know, one of the league's highest um, longest reception numbers at 26, but they're la- allowing it multiple times per game to to two to you know all the time for at least two different players. Definitely, and and I think that one of their biggest weaknesses, as I say, I, I just for me the middle of the field is their bigger weakness out of the whole the whole part of their defense, and that's where Samuel will eat, in my opinion. I think receptions you could play yards. Play. I've played his alternate seventy five plus. Um, I just think this is a perfect spot for both of them in that game. And as I've said plenty of times here, now I, I think this game is is a pure game where we see lots of passing. They both can slow down the run. I'd hope that we we just get how how it works out now. Get plenty of tackles. The receivers go off as they should, and we uh. Yeah, we hit on all of them bets on all three of them. Uh, Gerpa, you got a third bet? Yeah, I have. Um, this time we're moving over to the Cincinnati Bengals game against the Panthers. And the bet is for the total. So it's on 365 and probably boils again. And it's for Cincinnati Bengals to have under 100.5 total rushing yards. I mean, it's another one. So <clears throat> in there's, um, it's gone. They've stayed under in seven out of seven last game. They've stayed under in nine out of ten last regular season games. In fact, they're not even hit 90 yards in those unders. So nine out of the ten last regular season game, they failed to get to 90 rushing yards as a team. Um, the only time they did was the first game of this season against Pittsburgh. And that's mainly because Joe Burrow had a 47-yard uh, rushing game, which is a career high for him. So yeah. he doesn't hardly ever run the ball. So they're not going to get many runs from Burrow. Jamar Chase is out. And uh, Mixon, his, his rushing line is 69.5. So I guess the books are thinking that Burrow and Pirine are going to come up mm. with um, you know 30 yards. But Mixon himself... He needs about 20, uh, 24 carries to get over 70 yards generally when you look at his numbers. So I just don't see where the you know where these extra yards are gonna come from. And you know, Carolina, 
Carolina, you know, recently on offense, it's not been too bad. They, you know, they got Donta Foreman who's been running the ball well. So if they can long out their possessions, it will reduce the time that uh, you know Burrow Burrow is on the field, and also Burrow's been getting sacked for fun. He got beat up against the Browns. Mm. So anytime they're throwing it on um, first down, there's a good chance he could get sacked, and you know that takes running it out of the equation completely. Yeah. I've had a I've had a small bet on Mixon just the, the Mixon over the rushing yards and I bet it's sixty eight and a half. That's crept up from I think it was around about sixty six and a half. I'm a little bit struggling to see why it's creeping up a little bit because you're you're right not just on Mixon but they don't really use anyone on end arounds or that either. You know when you have some teams like uh, say Washington will Samuel will maybe get two attempts. Uh, Chiefs with Hardman and Miami with Hill maybe will get rush attempts. Cincinnati don't really tend to do that. So to have only P. Ryan, Mixon, Burrow possibly, yeah, could could have a couple. It just seems a really high total. And Mixon hasn't been running the ball well for Cincinnati this season. Catching the ball really well. It's probably helped maybe hide a lot of maybe his figures of rushing the ball really well. And again, it, it goes to probably the line of, of, of what you've just said about the offensive line not being very good. And it's, he's going to struggle to run behind that sort of line. When Burrow's getting sacked all the time, uh, he's getting no space to run, getting nothing to get into. Um, I think Carolina, I think the way their rush defence is set up, I think they give up more to power backs running straight through the centre, which I don't feel Mixon is. So, right, I think... I think this is probably baked into more than being heavy favourites and the bookie, the books expecting them to be able to be so far up that come the fourth quarter, they're just constantly running the ball and that would get them over that total. That's that's how I think they must see that that's why we've got a boost in this line. I can't see any other reason why why they wouldn't be. But I think the way Carolina are running the ball and PJ Walker, let's be honest. Really surprising one with how well he's throwing the ball. Bengals are down their top two cornerbacks. This might be a little bit of a closer game than maybe what we're expecting. Yeah, I agree with you in regards to the total reflecting the um sorry the the likely come of a Bengals win reflecting the rush yards. It's I suppose it's the same for that Geno Smith bet. I think because the match has a high points total. You know the the longest completion is also high because mm-hmm. they expect it to be that sort of game. But you know that yeah. doesn't really make sense if a quarterback doesn't throw it long. He doesn't throw it long just because the points total in the game's a bit high doesn't mean all of a sudden you know he's going to start airing it out. And it's the same here. Like the only person for the Bengals who was who really would get the odd you know wide receiver run was Jamar Chase, and he's not there now. So, I mean, look, you know, Mixon could pop one, a massive one, and, yeah. you know, we could think, oh, well, you know, what you just can't do nothing about that. But like I said, I mean, he doesn't really do that. I mean, he's, he's, his line for running back as a seven-point favourite is around 69 and a half. So, I just it just makes too much sense not to back it. And I do think, I think you're right, I do think the Panthers are much improved, and I do think they'll keep the game closed, and also themselves. Foreman's playing well, so you know they should have some long possessions. Yeah, 
definitely. And I revert back to sort of when Alex Smith was at Kansas City. Kansas City was still always heavily favoured in, in a lot of games during the regular season, mainly because of Andy Reid and how good that, that offence was. But he was never throwing it deep. He, he that he was just a a game manager. He uh he didn't need to to throw it sort of a sort of deep in them games. Back to the Geno Smith point. Uh, you just you don't yeah that them lines sometimes can be easily mis misled by by the sats and I and I, I spoke on a podcast earlier this season, and I said the same sort of thing then that Geno Smith is very much like Alex Smith. We're not gonna get. A lot of mistakes. We're going to get some big time throws down again. You, you're going to get that. He's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two of the best rod receivers in the game. But he is still, I think, a game manager and he's not going to take too many risks or too many big throws. But he's going to drive down the field. He's going to put up points that they're going to do, they're going to do quite well out of it. Um, just looking through Joe Mixon's stats on the season. On that total, how many times, Gerpal, do you reckon on the season he's been over that 68 and a half? Oh, not a lot. Because I, I myself backed him originally um, to go under. And then when I saw the, the total team yards, I went and um, took them as well because they, they looked good. I think off the top of my head, I think it's twice. I know one was against Pittsburgh because it was an overtime game. And I think the other one might have been against Baltimore. But I know... Oh, God, good man, too. Two out of two, I know, yeah. I yeah, know yeah, yeah. definitely didn't against the Browns, because yeah. I watched that game, and I think they just Browns gave got up nowhere right there. in it. Nowhere yeah, there. so, yeah, I, I, I remember... Like I when I last saw the stats, I remember thinking to myself, you know, he need the guy needs twenty four carries to get sixty six yards. I mean, that's so bad. So so amazingly, he's gone over it twice this season, both in losses, which you wouldn't expect. Whereas he eighty two against Pittsburgh in an overtime loss, like you said, twenty three twenty, and against Baltimore in a loss nineteen seventeen. Whereas he eighty two against Pittsburgh, seventy eight against Baltimore. The only other time he's got in the sixty is a win against Miami. 27-15, where he's took 24 carries to get 61 yards. So still seven under the current line at the minute. Other than yeah, that, how, how, many carry, how many carries did he have against Pittsburgh? 27-32 against Pittsburgh. Baltimore was the big one. 14, 14 carries for 78. That, that was a good one. That, that, was a, that was a bit of a banger of a game, to be fair. Um, then the last three games, he's had eight carries against New Orleans for 45, which is a decent output. 17 against Atlanta for 58, which is not a good output. And eight for 27 against Cleveland, which again, is not a good output. Um, yeah. yeah. It, and it then just... I remember, if you look, if you look last season's playoffs, you've probably, sorry, not playoffs, before the playoffs, if you've got it on your screen, mm. I remember, because I remember tipping him in one of the games, I think it was against the Titans, um, mm-hmm. If you look, I bet you you'll find he hardly ever goes over 66 and a half and mm-hmm. he gets work. It's not like he gets mm-hmm. single digit carries. He's getting double digits and he's never going over. Okay, mm-hmm. four, five, six, seven games in the regular season last season that he got over 65. He got, yeah, over 66 yards, seven games last season. Seven games. So, so yeah, less than 50%. 
So yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you've got to get them variants place. You always do, and and we've spoke about it plenty of times. You know, sometimes you just have to follow people week to week, and because it pops one week and you lose, um, you you, you just the next week if if it stays around that sort of line, go back to it because they are going to win now and again. But them stats are constantly adding up. Like I say, seven times last season three times so uh, twice so far this season that's really good stats from the amount of carries he's getting as a true number one back okay we'll yeah spend so carry on. <laughs> go on go on finish off yeah so i was just gonna add so i was just gonna add and then again like so this market bengals under 100 rushing yards so you're almost saying okay mixon you can have 70 which we know you struggle to get who else is going to get the other 30? Because it ain't going to be P. Ryan and it ain't going to be Burrow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's a few ways you could play that. Definitely. Okay, we have spent enough time on the Germans and Sands. So we will stop and go on to my final selection of the week. And it's going to be Zacherts over 39 and a half receiving yards. This is a little bit more to a play with how bad Seattle are against the tight end. They've given up so far this season 38 receptions for nearly just shy of 600 yards. And when you think the next one, two, three teams below them have given up over 50 receptions each, and they have given up less yards than that, they're just getting torched by the tight end. Zach Ertz is one of the better tight ends in the game. So to get 39 and a half yards, I think, is... That it's a really good spot for him. The, the the downside is the last couple of games, since DeAndre Hopkins come back into it, we've seen a little bit of a drop-off in his production. And I'm not really sure why that is, because obviously he had Hollywood Brown in there before his injury, and he was still getting a lot of usage. So I don't know whether it was just game flow, whether it was uh, to get Hopkins back into the I mix. I think it's right, because Rondell Moore's back as well. Yeah. He missed the first few games for his back. But, um, I mean, yeah, you know, as I said before, this one's got a pretty high total. Mm. So it should be an all-action game. Yeah. And 36.5 is pretty low, isn't it? Yeah, 39, yeah. And again, I've, I've backed his own. Because I'd hope that Kingsbury can see this. If if teams are locking on to the, this, this Seattle tight, they're struggling against tight ends and they're giving up so few catches for such huge chunks, you've got to be seeing this. You've got to build that into your game plan there somewhere. And this isn't some scrub tight end. That, you know, this is like one of the better tight ends in the game that uh, that I think will uh, we'll get something more to it. I seem to have uh, just lost Gerpa one second. Should be just coming back in now. The joys of... Uh, the joys of internet. Go, pal, you're back with me. Yeah, just a little that. time. You didn't miss much. Don't worry, no worries. Uh, yeah, it, yes, it, it, I just said then, it's not some scrub tight end. He's, he's one, one of the better tight ends in the game that I'd hope Kingsbury will build that into his game plan of seeing and seeing what uh, what we can see. They, 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 they've given up huge yards for a small amount of catches. So and again, uh, I, I think it will be a decent game, decent total. So that will be the last one for me. 
Yeah, I mean, the three I've put out are probably my strongest. And, you know, as the numbers I stated, I mean, you, you can't really argue against them. So I'm, I'm pretty confident we can extend the winning run. Yeah, hopefully. And we're now into week nine of the season. You know, it, it does sometimes take a while to build up. Don't get me wrong, I had some absolute brutal weeks and it happens. And when we're only giving out a couple of sections, two, three selections a week, and we're sometimes betting between 10, 20 selections a week, it's sometimes not easy to give out a couple on a, on a props podcast. We can only give out what we feel are the strongest plays at the time. Um, hopefully now as the season's gone on, we've got a lot more info and the last couple of last last three, four weeks, some of them I've given out on Twitter have been really good weeks. So hopefully that continues. So so yeah, you're right. If you were uh, you move on to six and now over the next uh, for the last two weeks go apart, then uh there's gonna be some sort of reward think, for you. Yeah, I think a lot of the long term listeners will know that generally I start to hit my straps towards the end of the season and the playoffs. I mean Last season, we were just dismantling yeah. books every week. You know, we had Tennessee Titans, all those sack combinations. Yeah. Then the day after, we had the Rams and then the Super Bowl. I think every bet I gave out for the yeah. Super Bowl won. So, you know, if we're getting, as the season goes along, we tend to get better because there's more data we have access. We learn teams, trends. A lot of the guessing is taken out of it. So, I mean, you know, we're just at the beginning, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. There's a long way to go. So long may it continue. Okay, everyone, thank you for listening. It is late in the night. And go about, appreciate you hanging on for me tonight. Been out fireworks, enjoying life with the family as you do. So as always, thank you for coming on, giving your insights, giving good tips as always. And hopefully we've got some winners. No problem. Good luck, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Good luck. I'll be back next week with another podcast during the week on the sides and then next weekend. And as I say, if you go power, hit six and nine, I'm sure we'll be straight on here giving out more bets <laughs> next week. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Goodbye.